In search for the captured Nerosalbrite, Castian lands on the swamp planet Valdren. Castian must face a ticking clock, an abandoned city, and an all-too-familiar beast in order to free his old colleague and unmask his unknown adversary. Bone brings you out of hyperspace in exactly where he intended to be, just outside of the Vaudran system, approaching the eponymous planet of Vaudran. This is a swampy planet as you approach, as it grows larger in your front window. You can see that it is bathed in greens and browns. It almost looks sickly, which is a pretty good metaphor for the planet itself on a couple of levels. For one thing, you know that this planet is within hut space, deep within hut space, and has been a hotbed for all kinds of criminal activity that the Huts have done. This has been a, a planet that's been kind of a clearinghouse for a lot of their illicit activity. And you know that generally the rule of the Empire is the Huts can do what they want. For one reason or another, the Empire doesn't like to involve themselves too deeply in Hut plans. But that wasn't always the strategy of the Empire. And about 10 years back, the Empire actually had an incursion on the planet Vaudrin. They went all in, star destroyers and everything, trying to cow the populace and the huts into following imperial law to the letter. So Vaudrin paid the price. The planet itself did, as many of its cities were leveled in bombardments from star destroyers. Castian raises a brow as he's reading over this in his data pad before looking towards Bone. Hmm? No, I don't know. I, I've been to a lot of planets before. Yes, even in hut space. The Empire might avoid the huts, but the Inquisitorius does not. Uh, are you picking up anything? Any ships hidden in the moons or anything like that? He does not. The planet itself is very quiet, too, he reports. What do you mean, quiet? And as he explains, most planets are a hotbed of some kind of signals, radio signals, hyperspace transmissions, those sorts of things. Space is noisy to somebody like Bone. This planet is as quiet as the grave. That's not very good. All right. Uh, do, do you know where they have us landing? Is it is it in a populated city? I mean, are there still populated cities here? He tells you that, yes, there are still people on the planet, the native Vaudrons especially. They're more nomadic than actually settling in any of the cities. So the coordinates put you outside of one of the largest abandoned cities, Thrunken. Thrunken. Oh, that just sounds delightful. All right, well... We don't have a lot of time, so we might as well just land. Keep an eye out. Keep those scanners running. I'll prepare. And Castian's going to leave the bridge and head off towards his room, where he keeps his weaponry. He goes into his room, makes sure his lightsaber's there, puts an extra energy pack for his blaster, throws on some reinforced clothing, and just makes sure that his survival pack is packed for the swamp environment. It takes maybe 10 minutes before you feel the ship start to enter atmosphere. 
Castian reaches up for the bulkhead and holds on as the ship vibrates as it hits atmosphere and lowers towards the city. And just a couple of minutes after that, the thrusters turn off and you feel the ship land. Castian enters the bridge and pats Bone on top of the dome before looking out the window. And what you see is swamp. The ground is swampy. It's covered in muck. There's dense trees that are covered in moss and hanging vines. It's raining, so everything is just dripping wet. The place that Bone has landed you actually seems like it might be the highest point for miles. And it's not very high. Ugh, a swamp planet. That's no place for a Jedi. Not a Jedi. That's enough out of you. Okay, so these are the coordinates, correct? Okay. Uh, is there anything out there? Anyone out there? Do you detect any energy signals? He tells you that the swamp makes it difficult to scan. There's too much interference in the atmosphere. But he does know that the city is maybe a mile away. All right. Lower the cargo ramp. I will head in myself. No, I can't bring you along. They said come alone. I'm sure if they found out that I had a droid flying the ship, that would have broken the rules, but... But my stars, Nerosaur Bright's life cannot hinge on me actually being a decent pilot. So just stay here, keep quiet, and I will return shortly with Nerosaur Bright. Well, I don't know. I'm being an optimist. That's what Jedis do. Oh, stick a socket in it. And Castian is walking towards the cargo ramp. The cargo ramp descends with a wet squelch as it lands in the mucky swamp. Ugh. And Castian just closes his eyes, rubs at his face, and then slowly descends the ramp before finally touching the ground with his boots. And he just feels himself sink in just a little bit. It's not like he walks right into water. It's like there's grass over the water. So it just kind of feels a little bit like he's on a bouncy castle. Every footstep squelches into the mud and the muck. And you thought you had pretty good boots, but this is the sort of wet and dampness that finds even the smallest hole to sink into. Oh, goodness, that cobbler on Corellia was lying when he said these were waterproof. And Castian, as soon as your boots touch the ground, a scanning beam activates. Castian drops his hand to his lightsaber, but doesn't pull it. He's just looking around, trying to find out where that scan came from. And in the rain, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly where it might be until a hologram pops up just a couple of feet away from you, projected apparently from a nearby tree. It is the face of a young man, apparently human, though the details are tough to make out in the poor quality hologram in the rain. Are you the one who summoned me? The hologram starts speaking without responding directly to you. It seems like it's a recording rather than a communication. Of course, of course. Castian Saya, you were wise to come here, though it will mean... Your doom. Oh, stars, this is what I have to deal with. To save the woman, you will go to the warehouse on the edge of the city, bombed by your empire's weapons. You will be there in 30 minutes of this message being received, or the woman's life is forfeit. What? This has to be a, a dozen warehouses that are bombed. Warehouses are meant to be bombed. 
the hologram disappears. Ugh. All right, Castian says as he reaches for his bracer and he quickly types a command to Bone saying, I need to go into the city, remain hidden. Basically just covering his bases so the person doesn't possibly pick up his transmission. And with a heavy sigh, Castian walks into the swamp towards the city, mumbling, will be my doom. Seriously, seriously, my doom. Nothing better than that? Castian, please give me a survival roll. This is going to be average difficulty, and I'm going to add two setback dice for this because of just how gross this swamp is. You know, I just recently updated my survival because Castian spent time with the Dark Woman, so very convenient. I got one advantage and two successes and a despair. Oh, no. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Oh, goodness. With your two successes and your advantage, you can see through fallen trees just at the edge of the city a couple of warehouses, one of which has very obviously had more bombing damage than others. It looks like most of the roof has been collapsed and even the tops of the walls have started to fall in from erosion. You have a good feeling, so much as you can have a good feeling in a situation like this, that that would be the warehouse that this person is intending for you to go to. And as you march through the muck, very confident that you know exactly where you're going, that you will not meet your doom on this planet, your foot sinks into the muck. A little too deep. And as you're trying to pull your foot out, you do escape. Your foot is pulled out. Your boot is left behind. Oh, oh, come on, no. And Castian's going to try to reach in to grab it. Something wraps around your wrist. Oh, not, not funny. Whatever has wrapped around your wrist yanks you down hard, planting you face first in the mud. Castian is going to try to get his foot underneath him, the one that still has the other boot on it, to try to keep him from going immediately into the mud. Your other foot sinks down as well, getting stuck in the mud. Oh, this is... Uh, uh, Castian is going to look around for, like, a branch to grab. You can find one. He's going to grab it and, like, try to pull himself up as much as he can to get away from whatever has him. Does he see what has him? You've got a face full of mud, and it's beneath the water. You can't tell what it is. Yeah, Castian's just trying to get away by pulling himself up onto this tree branch. All right, Castian, give me a hard athletics check to pull yourself out of the muck as something is underneath it trying to pull you in. I got two dark side points, a light side point, three successes... And that's it. But I'm not going to need the force, I don't think, right now. So Castian is not going to use the force, but he is going to take those successes. And with those successes, it is a hard-fought endeavor. But inch by inch, you pull yourself up out of the muck. But that despair is still hanging over you, and you sacrifice your other boots. Oh, come on, Castian says as he sees his boots just disappear into the waters. And then he just kind of wipes out his face and says, all right, that's just, this is just getting personal now. Castian lets out a sigh of annoyance before kind of balancing himself on this branch. And then he's going to force leap towards dryish land. And then he's going to continue on his way without boots, because guess what? He did not bring a spare set of boots with him. I'm not going to make you roll for that particular use of the force. You're able to do it. You're moving at the speed of plot in order to get closer to this warehouse. Since you did make your survival check, and with an advantage even, 
you're going to be able to make this trek to the warehouse without losing too much time to whatever boot stealer lives on this planet. When you reach the warehouse, by your count, you should have 10 minutes to spare. Castian is already feeling the aches and pains on his heels. He reaches down and like removes a pebble from his foot and flicks it away. And then just takes a deep breath, and then he's entering the warehouse, looking for any sign of another hologram, a person, Nera Sawbright, that would be really convenient right now. Well, you do not see Nera Sawbright. In fact, you don't see any sign that any person has been here, and you don't even know how long. The roof of this warehouse is almost completely collapsed. There's one part in the corner that's still standing, and hanging from near the roof is the mangled remains of a catwalk that almost form a ladder from the ground up to what might be the only dry part of this planet you've seen so far. You said I had 10 minutes, right? About, yes. Do I see any skeletons, bodies, anything like that? Hmm, interesting, interesting question. Yes, you don't see the entire body because decomposition on this planet happens incredibly quickly with all of the microorganisms that live in swamps. But you see in a corner, it looks like maybe two bodies it once was, and you see just parts of their skulls and their hands sticking up. Ugh, can I not find any boots? Castian is going to be making his way towards the catwalk, but he's looking out for any, like, lockers or storage lockers because in his mind this planet has always been swampy so maybe they have materials that are built to handle those microbes he's really hoping that he can find some sort of footwear even if they're bigger because going through a swamp barefoot is not going to be good why don't you roll me survival again to see if you can find anything useful in this warehouse this is just going to be average difficulty average difficulty upgraded once i want to give you another light side point One success, but one threat. I'm going to bank that threat for now. With one success, you do find a locker. It was partially obscured by the catwalk, so you only see it once you're closer to it. It's partially submerged in the swamp. It looks like probably the swamp level has risen in however long it's been since this warehouse was bombed out. Or it's possible that the warehouse has started to sink. And as you wrench open the locker, of course, a bunch of sludge slides right into it. And you do find a pair of boots, though. Ah. (laughs) Castian says he pulls them out and then kind of shakes them to see if there's anything inside them. I mean, it's a lot of mud. You know what? It's better than nothing. He's going to try his best to kind of scrape them clean within a minute. And then he's going to slip his feet in to give them some protection. The boots obviously belonged to... A non-human species. Did you read up on the natives of Vondren? Yeah, a little bit. So you know that they are a reptilian species. They're, you know, bipedal. They're intelligent and sentient, but still reptilian. And reptile feet are formed rather differently than human feet. So while technically they do fit, they are the right length for you, they're shaped oddly. They're extra wide around the toes, So you're going to have a setback die to any coordination rolls that you make while you're wearing these boots. You know what? That's better than walking around with nothing at all. So Castian puts them on, tests them out, and nods his head. And then he just looks up to the catwalk and starts climbing towards it. That sounds like a good opportunity to test your coordination. Of course. 
this is going to be a hard test to get up this rickety, rusty catwalk that doesn't look like it's very well attached to whatever remains of the roof up there. I got one success, one threat. I'm going to bank that threat too. This worries me. There's a lot of banking going on. So with effectively one success, you are able to climb up this catwalk. It's not necessarily easy. You slip and slide a couple of times, either because it's difficult with your boots or your hands lose their purchase from the slippery metal, but you are able to get up to the top of this warehouse. And Castine's looking around for any sign of what he's supposed to find here. When you reach this platform just below the roof, another scan starts, just like when you stepped out of the Howling Gundar. Oh, come on. The scan activates another hollow projection. Castian leans back against the wall, seeing that it's sturdy, and pulls out a flask and takes a swig as this person goes into their rambling. Good. You have passed your first test. You may proceed. Oh, you're so kind. Survive this challenge, then I will see you again at the tallest point in the city. You have one hour. Survive what challenge? This is not a game. And as you ask what challenge it could be, you hear a beep, 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 beep of a charge arming. Oh, no, 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 no. Do I see where the charge is at? As you are listening to that beeping, every beep acting as a countdown for when it's going to go off, you hear it just under the floorboards, literally under your feet. You said that this was a bombed out warehouse, yes? Yes. Castian is going to launch himself up, trying to force leap out one of those holes on the roof and then just take off running if he can. You have to make this leap in a split second. So you don't have a lot of time to think, you don't have a lot of time to plan, and literally the ground is blowing up under your feet as you start to leap. So this is going to be a very difficult roll for you to make, Castian. This is going to be a hard test, and I'm going to upgrade that twice. I got one advantage, but no successes, no failures, but since I'm using the force, I can actually spend force points, and I got two light side points. Okay. So Castian is going to use one of his light side points in order to succeed as I jump through one of the holes. <laughs> Great. So that means you are going to get away from the worst of this explosion, but it is still an explosion going off underneath your feet. So you're going to take half damage from whatever I roll here. Sounds fair. And you know what? For that advantage that you had, I'm going to give myself a black die. And with two successes, that would be at full strength, 10 damage, but you're only taking half of it. So five wounds for you. And I could soak some of that. Yes. So Castian soaks most of that, but still takes a wound. As this explosion goes off, it kind of launches him a little higher up through the hole. So when he comes down, he crashes down onto the ground and just feels it underneath him, like wobble. And he pauses for a second to see if this thing's going to collapse. Yes. The remaining walls of the warehouse start to shake and are beginning to cascade down. No, 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 no. Castian says as he stands up and he just starts booking it across the top of this warehouse, uh, jumping over like the small holes that were already in this thing from its previous attack or any detritus that might be in his way. He's trying to get to the next rooftop of the closest warehouse and jumping onto that. Hopefully that's a little sturdier for him. So you're essentially trying to do the cool guy move where you are running as fast as you can, not paying attention to the explosion and collapsing happening behind you. Well, Castian is very cool. 
give me an athletics roll. This is going to be daunting this time. That's four purple dice. I got an advantage and a triumph. Very nice. What would you like to do with that triumph? I know exactly what I want. Castian is running for his life, and he's hoping, he's really hoping by the time he gets to the end of this warehouse that there's going to be something for him to jump on. But there isn't. He has no other choice but to just jump down this gap, and he does, as the roof underneath him is about to collapse. And he jumps, falls, and he hits some detritus, which breaks some wood. But what he lands on is a fungal growth, a very soft fungal growth. So it's disgusting and gross, but he takes no damage from his jump. I like it. Castian stumbles out coughing. His face is just covered with just feels like green spores. And he's just like, this is awful. (coughs) I hate this person. They're going to die. I'm going to kill them. That's the Jedi way. (laughs) Castian is stumbling out of like the alleyway that he jumped into and tries to get into the street so he can evaluate his current situation and hopefully maybe even clean up his face. Because right now he's covered in mud, sweat, and green algae spores. And smoke. And smoke, yes. Smoke and dust. You stumble out into what once may have been a main street in the city of Thrunken. Now, of course, it's like a ghost town. The ground is a little more solid under your feet, indicating that this had been a paved road, but of course it still has that layer of swamp and rainwater on top of it. But since it is abandoned like a ghost town, you do have a moment to collect yourself as you hear the warehouse fully collapse behind you. Okay, and Castian reaches down and collects some of that rainwater and just splashes it into his face. And it's disgusting, but this whole planet is disgusting. He's just decided. And he closes his eyes, tries to focus on peaceful thoughts. And when he eventually fails at that, he just decides to focus on the mission. The person said, get to the highest point in the city. So Castian is just going to do the easiest thing, which is to open his eyes and spin around and look for the tallest buildings if he can find it that way. Why don't you give me a perception check? This is going to be average difficulty, but with a setback die because of the environment. One success, one threat. I will let you have your success and bank your threat. As you look up, spin around a little bit. You know, it's actually sometimes really difficult to find the high point when you are lower, especially in a city, but you do find a tall spire. Difficult to tell from this angle what it might once have been, but it does loom high over you. It's certainly the tallest thing in your immediate vicinity, and if you climbed it, you'd certainly be able to tell whether it's truly the highest point or if there might be something else. Castian goes to his data bracer and starts tapping some things in. He's setting a countdown for 55 minutes. He doesn't know how long it took him to escape the explosion and then fall into the fungal growth and then come out here and then complain. But he's, he's going to give himself about five minutes of that. With the countdown set, Castian is going to start moving quickly down the main street, heading towards that spire. Castian, as you are winding your way through these abandoned city streets, the water level rises and falls. Sometimes you're on a hill, sometimes you go into a little bit of a decline, and more water is starting to rise up. Never gets higher than your knees, let's say certainly gets over the top of your boots, which means your feet just continue to be waterlogged. And I need you to give me another survival roll. 
This is going to be another hard check to set back dice. I got two advantages. Well, then I'm going to let those advantages be two boost dice on your vigilance roll as something rises up from the muck. This is going to be establishing initiative. I got six successes and three advantages. Well, you go first against the two successes and one advantage of mine. So what do I see as Castian comes to a stop as something rises from the depth of a puddle? Oh, it's a tentacle that has a single eye stalk on top of it. No, no, not a, a Dianaga. Castian has flashbacks to he's dealt with these things like what, three times? Something like that. Turns out Vaudrin is the native world of the Dianaga. Oh my god, no. No. Is that true? That's 100% true. Castian drops his hands to his lightsaber and draws it out and says, Oh, Dianagus, that's an interesting thing that Bone forgot to tell me about this place. And he's going to immediately attack. Go right ahead. I have quick draw, so I can quickly get my blade out. Right. And is it close enough to attack? Oh, yes, it is. Certainly. It does have adversary one, so all of your attacks are upgraded once. I got three successes and two advantages. Does two advantages activate a crit? I'll use my two advantages absolutely to activate my crit. Roll me a 1d100. 74. The Dianaga is hamstrung and loses its free maneuver until the end of the encounter. It does take 10 points of damage. It also, unsurprisingly, has no armor to soak damage, especially not from a lightsaber. Dianagas are squishy and tentacly. However, its tentacles, at least on paper, are quite formidable. And it is going to attack you with said tentacles. And it gets two successes, even with your two defense. Great, so how much damage is that? It is going to do six damage as well as ensnare you. Yeah, I'm gonna actually use parry on that thing and it does six points of damage. Correct. My parry reduces things by seven. I'm gonna take the three strain mm -hmm. to reduce that. Am I still ensnared? Yes, you are. The parry absolutely negates that damage that it was doing. So it's able to wrap a tentacle around your legs, kind of above your knees, but it can't get tight enough to do any damage. Okay. However, in order to do anything other than be ensnared, it's going to be a hard athletics check. Castian is going to try to break the snare. And because I know you're wielding a lightsaber, I'm actually going to decrease the difficulty on this. So instead of being hard, it's going to be average. Okay, so this is an athletics check? Yes. However, still has adversary one, so it's average, one purple, one red. I got one success, one advantage. All right. So you are absolutely able to break out of the ensnare. That did, however, take your action. Of course. Do you have a maneuver or anything else you want to add in? I can actually use my force leap as a maneuver. So I'm going to try to force leap away from this thing. I don't need to prove anything by killing a Dianaga again. So Castine is just going to try to get away from it out of its reach. Mm -hmm. You don't need to make the roll to see if you can force leap. It's more, are you able to escape before one of its tentacles can try to grab you? Okay. So this is still going to be an average difficulty upgraded once. And then of course, also throw in your force die to see what force points are generated. Four advantages and four successes and three light side points. It was a very good roll. You are absolutely able to leap out of the way of the Dianaga's tentacles. It lets out a disappointed shriek as you escape its flailing tentacle grasp. 
you land on top of a nearby rooftop. With four advantages on top of your four successes, what would you like? Three advantages can be translated into a triumph. Yeah, I, I don't know what I would want. So I can use those four to, for a triumph? Yeah. I mean, casting just wants to get away from this thing. So yes, I would like to have an, a triumph, but dealer's choice. You hear a louder shriek coming from the sky above you. You look up and you see some sort of terrifying flying monstrosity, almost like a pterodactyl, maybe. It's got to have a wingspan of at least two meters, and it is flying above you. And then it starts to dive bomb, but not towards you, towards the Dianaga. This creature snaps up a tasty tentacle snack and then flies away, ignoring you completely. Oh, you can have it. Castian wipes his face and mumbles, this is an awful, awful planet. The Empire, I don't usually say this, did the right thing. Okay, that was wrong to say. That was wrong to say, I'm sorry. Okay, Dianaga's on the ground and flying giant reptile dragons in the sky, so keep the rooftops, I suppose? Yes, that sounds like a good plan. And Castian is going to try to keep to the rooftops now, which might slow him down, but he does not want to deal with Dianagas. Oh, they're a challenge, especially when they get really old and ancient. Cassian's going to continue heading towards that spire. With your view from the rooftops, you're able to start to get a better feel for the layout of the city. And it was quite a large city previously. I mean, it's certainly nothing like Coruscant, where the whole planet's a city. But, you know, for a planet out in hut space, the city wasn't doing too bad. Until, of course, the Empire came in. And from this vantage point... Climbing on the roofs, scrambling over holes that have been left because of the bombings, you actually see that the natives of this planet must have mounted a pretty good rebellion. Because while it's certainly not the highest point in the city, the most distinctive thing that you can see is a fallen star destroyer cutting across the middle of the city. Even though Castian has a time limit that he is quickly running out of, he has to stop in awe to see this giant behemoth of a vessel just speared into the ground and having, like, the swamp trying to reclaim it. And his eyebrows are absolutely raised in surprise before he mumbles, Wow. Way to go, Valdrons. That's rather impressive. Before I head off from viewing the Star Destroyer, I'm going to quickly try to recover some strain. Okay. You get to roll Discipline or Cool. I think really it just depends on what's better for you. Discipline. So I got three successes and two triumphs and a bunch of advantages. I did really well. So I just needed three successes, though, to get my three strain back. Yeah, you got your strain back. And Castian is going to continue moving, though, after about a minute of just gawking. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to give me a coordination roll as you are traversing these slippery, bombed-out rooftops. This is going to, once again, be daunting. I'm going to spend one of my points to upgrade one of my greens to a yellow. I just straight up failed. Two failures, nothing else. So with two failures, you are leaping to another rooftop of another building. They all look really nondescript at this point after 10 years of abandonment in this swampy planet. And it looked like it was a stable roof, but it turns out it wasn't. 
and your feet just go through. There's no chance to stop yourself, and you fall into this ramshackle skeleton of a building. Right into a nest of grab worms. Oh, what's a grab worm? A disgusting pest that is a worm but has tentacles and is absolutely capable of a crushing vice-like grip. Okay, that's awful. However, since you didn't have threats or anything, I'm going to let you roll vigilance rather than allowing this nest to have a surprise attack on you. Got two advantages and four successes. The grab worms got two advantages and one success. So once again, you are able to go first. Now you've landed in this nest of grab worms. You can tell just by looking at them, you've not encountered these necessarily before, but they're gross. They have more tentacles. So you don't know exactly what they're going to do to you, but you get to move first. And that means you could attack or it means you could just try to get out of here. I'm just going to try to get out of here. I mean, I don't know what they're capable of, but also I don't know how structurally sound this building is, especially after I just jumped through the roof. So let's make this an athletics roll to run. Sounds good. With just an average difficulty. The grab worms are minions, so there is no adversary upgrades here. Three successes and four advantages, and I would like to turn my advantage into a triumph. All right. You are absolutely able to run out of here. I have an idea for a triumph. Am I escaping the building? Yes. As I'm running out, the roof collapses in behind me and crushes those worms. Yes. The poor grab worms that literally did nothing to you are crushed under the roof. I hope you're happy. Circle of life. You're a great Jedi. Oh, I'm not going to win any points with you today, Dark Woman. I know this. Don't worry, Castian says as he this kind of feels something squirming on him and he immediately grabs inside of his shirt and rips out one that actually latched on and just throws it away from him. Oh, this. Mm, mm, there is no anger. There's only peace. And he's just mumbling the Jedi mantra as he is walking towards the spire. Now he checks the clock to see how much time he has left. You have about 20 minutes left. Looking up at the spire, because he's guessing, they don't have, the elevator is not working. How long will it take him to get to the spire and then up it? The spire looks like it's maybe 200, 250 feet above the ground. So 20 to 25 stories. And running up that many stairs certainly would take you over 20 minutes, let alone the distance that you still need to cover, which you think might be another 10 minutes at your top speed through this muck. So Kastin is going to be using the force in order to enhance his abilities, his his running, his jumping. He's going to be using it all in order to first get to the spire and second, get up it. So he's going to be running as fast as he possibly can. Okay. The fact that you are having to push yourself so hard, the stress of the clock that's ticking on this journey means that this is going to be another daunting athletics check. I'm going to upgrade it once, and I'm giving you two setback dice for the environment. I got two light side points, Mm -hmm. two failures, Mm -hmm. a triumph, and three threats. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my two light side points to give me two successes. So it's just going to take away those negatives completely. Okay. Thus, since I got a triumph, I'm going to succeed. But I got those four threats that I have to deal with now. 
You call deeply upon the Force because you know you're not going to be able to succeed at this test alone. And lucky for you, it is the light side of the Force that responds, buoying you with all of the best of yourself, that drive to help other people, that selflessness that was buried for so long. And so with that drive and that mystical force behind you, far more quickly than any human should be able to move, you're able to make it to the base of the spire. And you can see when you're up close that the foundation of the spire is obviously been compromised and the building is actually beginning to tilt. Not actively about to fall over, but it's going to be a little disconcerting, especially the higher up you go. But you don't have time to consider this as you start using the force to leap up about 10 feet at a time, jumping from one ledge to another to another, these slippery window sills that sometimes just barely give you enough purchase for your fingers or your feet to land on. And you are so focused on this as you are trying to not fall off of the spire, especially once you get about 100 feet in the air. Doesn't matter what sort of fungus might be down there, that fall would hurt a lot. But what hurts even more is being sniped in the shoulder. <laughs> All those threats that I banked filled up this little wheel that I had tracking your threats. And you now have enough threats to set off a situational danger that I had saved up. Okay, so make the roll. So... You have one defense here against ranged, but you don't have your defensive stance that helped you earlier. You can't parry this. You can't reflect it because, of course, you can't climb while you're carrying a lightsaber. This is going to hurt. So the sniper rifle and whoever wielded it rolled quite well with five successes and three advantages. The weapon does nine damage and crits at three. So that gives you a total of 14 damage plus a critical injury of 44. So with a 44, your critical injury is that you are bowled over. You're knocked prone and gain one strain. Okay, so first off, let's focus on the wounds. I take 14 points of damage? Correct. I can soak four of that. Mm -hmm. I am down to eight wounds. Wow, that's an impressive shot. And I will take that strain, so I'm down to 15, and I'm knocked prone. I'm yep. climbing, so... Do I fall off the building or do I fall into the building? I think you should make a coordination roll to see how well this works in your favor. I agree. You know what? Since it is an average severity critical injury, I think it should be an average difficulty. I got two successes and a threat. Okay. The two successes mean you're going to fall into the building rather than falling 100 feet. Castian crashes through one of the windows that was still somehow there, lands on the ground and rolls as he clutches his shoulder in pain. And he continues rolling until he stops because the floor around this window had collapsed. So by the time he stops rolling, his feet are dangling precariously over this ledge. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And he uses his elbows to crawl backwards, which only hurts more because his elbows are connected to his bicep, which is connected to his shoulder, which took 10 points of sniper damage. So Castian finally kind of gets to like a pillar that's standing there and leans against it, trying to hide from any more sniper shots. 
and he's just breathing heavily. I also want to make sure that you take your strain from the critical injury as well as you had that threat. I'm not going to bank it this time. The glass from that window is very sharp and cut you a bit, so it's a total of two points of strain. Yes, Castian takes that, breathes. The timer on your wrist begins to go off. You have five minutes. Oh, you've got to be kidding me, Castian says as he gets up, gritting his teeth, and he's looking to see if there's an emergency stairwell on this floor that's still functional. You see an emergency stairwell doorway. It is definitely on the other side of this collapsed floor. A force jump. Yeah, I'm going to make this an average difficulty. No environmental setbacks this time because you are inside a building. I got my light side point and I got two successes and an advantage. So Castian is definitely going to make that jump. He's not going outside again. The person has a sniper rifle. So you make the leap across the collapsed floor. You get to the door that has the emergency stairwell symbol on it. And you push open the door and there's an intact stairwell inside. Thank you, Castian mumbles to no one in particular, and he just runs up those stairs as quickly as he can. He hears the beeping of his bracer telling him that he's getting closer and closer to failing this test, and he is pushing it with every ounce of willpower and force in him to get to the top of this roof. You knew that this building was 20 to 25 stories tall. You run up 10 flights of stairs, and there's more. You run up another three flights of stairs, four. At five flights of stairs, you finally reach the top of the staircase. I don't have time to slow down to open the door to check for traps. I literally have to barrel through it. You barrel through the door out onto a terrace that is open to the sky. And it's a very slippery, slick floor. It looks like it's marble, but of course is not just covered in rainwater, but slippery moss has started to grow between the cracks of the tiles. So I need one more coordination check to avoid sliding over the rail. This is going to be a hard roll with two setback dice, one for your still ill-fitting shoes and one for the environment. I'm going to spend two destiny points to increase my odds of succeeding. One success. Your feet slide across this slippery marble tiles right into the decrepit railing that protects the edges of this terrace. And for one gut-churning minute, you think you're going to go over. You are looking at the ground 250 feet below you. You know you wouldn't survive that fall, no matter how much of the force you drew on. But the railing holds. Castian pushes himself off the railing, carefully this time. It then spins around, looking for any sign of a scanner, before he says, I'm here! I'm here! I'm here! I'm here! The scanner activates, just as the countdown on your wrist ends. Oh, oh, thank God, he says as he falls to the ground, no longer being snarky about this whole thing, and he's just breathing heavily as he just is clutching his wound in pain. And you know what I just realized, Angela? I haven't had time to buy any medical packs since Alderaan, so I I didn't bring any medical equipment with me. It's going to be tough for you. Yes, it is. Castian lays on the ground as the message plays. You have reached death-defying heights, but now it is time to sink or swim. Oh, God, I hate this man. Proceed to the arena 
Try to keep your head above water. You have 20 minutes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Flight Risk Podcast is a Star Wars actual play crime dramedy set during the Old Republic era, where an eccentric group of mercenaries are thrust into the dark and violent world of organized crime. As agents of an enigmatic count, they traverse the Outer Rim and attempt to not only survive, but to find their destinies without losing what's left of their souls. Subscribe at flightrisk.simplecast.fm.